0: wellness and radio listeners we have got something very special in the pipeline uh ladies we are launching on
1: the first of september again we're doing our 28 day hormone reset program we are so excited to share that with you we thought we'd give you a little bit more lead time uh, this time around to join us for that we have had some phenomenal changes with women so far we have loved connecting with you in our online forum and seeing everybody's changes and hearing about it as well it's been pretty amazing
0: and we are guaranteeing that you're going to love this program. Why? Because it's not just a program about lifestyle and diet. It's just going to be something that is about joining other women on the journey. So it's, you know, that sort of community that helps you change your life because you see other people doing it too. It's going to keep you inspired and keep you on board. Real recipes that, uh, you know, resonate with how easy it is to make good food for yourself at home, for people who are pushed and busy and tired and over-exhausted and things. This is not going to stress you out. You're going to have plenty of options and that's what this uh, 28 day hormone reset is all about it's not just resetting your hormones it's resetting your views and your beliefs and your uh, I guess picture around what help is and so we are including things like exercise programming and food and nutrition and mindset and you know how you can change your lifestyle into a low-tox lifestyle that's going to support your hormonal journey so we know that you're going to love this program we hope that uh, you want to find out more go online onto our website www.thewellnesswomen.com.au forward slash e-courses for the program or just have a look into our website and follow the links to our 28 day reset page and you can read all about that and more so we look forward to joining you through the month of september it's with us all the way through and uh, we'll be there to support you the streaming wellness into your life welcome to wellness women radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health work and play Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Hello there, gorgeous sisters. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Wellington Radio. I'm Ashley.
1: And I'm Andrea.
0: And we are... As always, very glad that you joined us today, wherever you are. I know we uh, always smile when we get great emails, people listening to us on their drive time or, you know, catching flights all over the place and throwing it onto their iPods and iPhones for, you know, listening to later. And how about big shout out to the uh, couple of ladies that emailed us recently and went through uh, basically a 100 episodes in a couple of weeks. I'm just like, oh my goodness, you guys are amazing. So thank you so much. And uh, it's just so wonderful to know that you're learning so much which is awesome and also for all the ladies who uh yeah, drop in questions and feedback and that. We really appreciate your contributions and uh, your critiques and your inputs. It's been amazing. And we always love to upgrade and upskill and um, obviously bring you the best always. So we're going to start this week's episode with a bit of a, um, I guess, update on what's happening in the world of women's health. Because while we were both away on holidays, there was a few things that were going on and uh, we got back into the world of Wi-Fi and went, oh my goodness, some groundbreaking stuff's happening and some big news. So let's uh, start the week with you know in the spotlight but this in the spotlight is going to be uh about kind of what's going on in uh, public media and in in sort of social circles
1: Hmm. So there were some interesting things that we kind of came back into Western society to realise that uh, there was big things happening, particularly in uh, women taking um, action against um, failed contraceptive devices. And this was really interesting. So if you've heard of the eShore device, um, it's spelt E-S-S-U-R-E. So it's it classed as a permanent contraceptive device. And essentially it's like a metal coil that gets into the fallopian tubes of a woman who, you know, no longer wants to conceive. And the idea is that the metal coil creates enough scar tissue around that, that then essentially the egg and sperm can't meet. And it, but it is definitely like a permanent type of contraceptive. However, there are so many issues with it. And uh, women have been struggling so much for so many years. And uh, some women have been left in permanent states of disability or pain from, you know, this device. It's interesting reading notes from gynecologists who are saying they're spending their entire days just removing them. That's all they've been doing for weeks and weeks on end is just removing failed Eshore contraceptive devices. Um, And I just think it's, it's a really interesting thing that when we completely go against nature, I think when we transplant something into the body that is so foreign, like this you know metal coil that's supposed to be there forever, um, and the things that it does I, I just don't understand how we can't expect that to be met with
0: issues. Or resistance. Know, actually, yeah, the yeah. body's resistance because we know that, I mean, if you've got a splinter in your foot, the body in its great wisdom and intelligence knows how to mount a, a, an immune response to that. Um, so why is it that we can, implant other devices into the body and not expect some form of, you know, resistance. And I say that resistance in the sense that it could be just, you know, generalized low-grade chronic infection um, or, you know, which obviously is a more surgical and serious issue. Um, But it can just be the situation of actually nondescript inflammatory response in the body uh, causing havoc on overall health and well-being and never having that causative relationship or understanding to something that was done as a procedure maybe years ago and just not realizing that there's a contribution so not that this is there to raise alarm bells if you do have you know procedures and things but i think it's we always just ask you to think carefully about the wisdom of your body and you know what we do to it to change or try and alter or transmute its you know natural uh, existence And I think that's really interesting to see that, uh, you know, those things – suddenly research catches up or, you know, there's enough failed experiences to suddenly become class actions and there's legal proceedings. And then the whole thing is reviewed and that's sort of happened recently as well with regards to, um, I don't know if you've sort of ladies heard about um, the mesh procedures and mesh implants that we often, you know, routinely used for things like bladder and vaginal prolapses. Um, and this, you know, these mesh procedures have been shown to have some major flaws and again, Whilst they have, you know, tried to improve the quality of life of women uh, by using them, uh, it's the biggest challenge has been that unfortunately these devices have been faulty in in major ways, um, eroding, disintegrating, slicing through parts of the vaginal walls, um, mm-hmm. and causing, you know, major major health concerns. So we absolutely love that there's a constant push to try and find better ways to improve quality of life for women, um, but it just shows you again that we always ask. I guess you as listeners to ask questions of anything that you need done to your body or you feel as though you want to change or, you know, whether it be just a cosmetic procedure or, um, you know, more serious surgical procedures to really ask rigorous questions of your professionals that are helping you, um, just as we expect for our patients to do for us. Um, challenge is actually a great way as a professional to clarify your certainty or something and to provide the research evidence and things like that. So, it's, um, it's good to kind of keep everyone on their toes. I know that's probably doctors and, and people listening probably hate us saying things like that, but I'm, I'm open to challenge, you know, when it comes to clinical practice, because I do love the idea of um, finding the research or finding the support or the evidence or, you know, clarifying the and qualifying the reason why we do things we do.
1: And I think another really interesting topic that has come up and this was something that was presented on the ABC and it's uh, raising the question that should women be given paid period leave? And I think that at first I thought, okay, that's hilarious and then – when I read into it more, it was actually really interesting to see the, the pros and cons to this and actually how women were reacting to this notion. Mm. And it came right off the back of uh, the news article that came out showing that there was a Japanese university that for decades was deliberately altering the scores of students who were got, trying to get entrance to a medical school and only accepting um, 90% males, um, which was pretty horrendous. So, you know, it was interesting that then this article came on the back of that uh, and there was a not-for-profit in Melbourne um, that in 2016 actually paid their first period leave policy to some of their employees, which I think was amazing. And I love this idea of allowing women the flexibility to work according to the ebbs and flows of their cycle. I think that that is fantastic. I think it's awesome to acknowledge that, you know, maybe there are times of the the month that we are more physically and mentally switched on. But the thing that concerns me though, is that are we medicalizing problems so much that then they need to be seen as, you know, you need time off from work because of things that shouldn't be there in the first place. So what I mean is that, of these women who have such horrendous period pain or, you know, get really severe symptoms, but they're told that that's just the way they are. So you're just going to have to suck it up. That's what I'm concerned about, that we're normalising something that shouldn't be there. Does that
0: make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you think we're we're creating almost like a socialised norm of abnormal uh, physiology. So if, if things are, you know, for some women extreme and acute, is it, Going to fall into that, I mean, I just throw the question out there too. For example, women who aren't experiencing um, severe or significant periods, my question is does that mean that that renders me, for example, with like, what, 12, 14, 20 less, you know, leave days in a year? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know how
1: that would work and I don't know how what would qualify a woman to be eligible for this in the first place. I just think that it would be nice to tap an option on the first day or two of your period to be oh. able to opt out of whatever responsibilities that you have in the first place.
0: totally um, agree and it's great that it's having a conversation that this um, idea is on the table. It's, it's a great talk point and hopefully, you know, it goes further down through things like employment uh, com- conversations so that people can understand that uh, some women do suffer a significant uh, – disability at the times in their cycle. so I yeah that's a really cool thing. so these are all things that came up while we were here there and everywhere across the planet so
1: <laughs> but that leads us to what we actually really wanted to talk about today and that was we wanted to give you um, just I don't know a little highlights reel from both of our trips. We want to talk to you a little bit about what we've done over the last month or so and also maybe um, just some important kind of lessons learned. Because obviously, you know, we're not just going to sit here and riff about our holidays as lovely as that would be. We feel like there should be some sort of important message behind it in the first place for it to be, you know, wellness women ready worthy. So anyway, Ash, without further ado, tell me about your trip.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what? This is something that is really interesting because I was pretty excited when we we finally got to uh, land in a continent I hadn't been before, and this uh, country was my forty seventh visit
1: uh, Ooh, abroad.
0: so that's here we are awesome. yeah yep. so forty seven and guess what? it was America. so I've trotted around the globe and finally finally put my feet on American soil and it was you know it, it took forty six other countries to realize that I was missing out on something um, and so totally. yeah we took a trip to the states and I think you know, I've sort of, um, part of this episode I want to talk to you girls about is also this idea that, um, traveling is for some people just flags. You know, it's just, it's just to say, I've done this, I've done that, I've seen this, I've seen that. But, um, there's incredible, I guess, consequences and effects of travel that are scientifically validated. And it's probably why you and I are both the same in that sense that we've just got this absolute love for, um, people and culture. And being abroad helps to open our, our horizons and change the way we view the world and the people in the world. And, you know, that's not just a an Andrea and I experience. You know, there's some incredible studies proving the fact that when you travel abroad, it's shown that those studies are actually telling us that we improve our connections. We improve our social connections in a way that we expand our experience of social trust which means that it by default gives us an opportunity to expand our mind in terms of being more open-minded to culture, people, and experiences. And I just thought, you know, isn't that just so true? feeling comfortable around all kinds of people because I actually had this little bit of bias against America. Sorry, all the American listeners, (laughs) you girls are going to hate me and I'm ready for the hate mail. What the hell's wrong with you? Um, But what it was was really to smile and say, what had I resisted so much against America for? Because it's an extraordinary place. I'm I'm just so glad I finally got there. And uh, we did a a road trip from San Francisco to Seattle. We got a 27 foot RV, the only way to travel, you know. <laughs> you gotta do the the so trailer park, love it. And um, you know, my husband, my son Oliver, who's uh, was fifteen months, and myself in there trundling along up uh, through Highway one hundred and one, and having an amazing old time. And um, I can say that I've been a lot of places around the world, some very quirky places, and some of you know the the seven ancient wonders and the seven natural wonders, and some of the greatest peaks and mountains on this planet. Um, and I was just blown away by the Californian redwood forests. And, yes. you know, and so this is something where you think you've seen a lot of stuff and you go, isn't it amazing Mother Nature can still humble us to such a degree um, that I felt insignificant, inconsequential. And in that humbling moment, suddenly so connected to, I guess, the millennia of civilization that's gone before me. Yeah, that's so cool. And it was just a really extraordinary experience. And I think this fits in line with the research that says that when you travel, um, travelling for travel's sake, you know, is in itself an opportunity to grow and to learn. And Mm -hmm. to see that through either natural wonders or different cultures or different people, um, it's really phenomenal to see that I can still be learning after all of these years later. And that was I think that was one of my greatest um, take-homes from the trip was just go, wow, you know, I'm still learning. There's still things that push me outside my comfort zone. There are still things that change the way I view the world. There's still people that startle and astound me everywhere I go in the sense that they've got these incredible stories and these experiences and the sharing and the openness and the kindness. And, yeah, it was just – it was wonderful. So – Ladies, when we talk, and you'll hear us talk, you know, just in our own personal lives a lot about travel, I think um, if it's something you've never done a lot of, that's totally okay because for a lot of people it is way outside their comfort zone to go and travel abroad because of the differences away from the normal experiences of life. And I would challenge you to go out there and when I say get ready for the unexpected side effects, There's just things that you can't kind of expect to happen until they happen. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, there's this monumental impact on your life. Um, and that's, you know, undeniable. Anyone who's who's lived abroad or travelled a lot uh, will tell you these same stories. And you think, why are they all so wacky? You know, why are all these people always saying, oh, travelling's the best thing ever. Oh, my God. You haven't travelled? Why haven't you travelled? Oh, you should travel. And everyone goes, yeah, yeah. What, what's all these crazy people talking about? Travel this and travel that. Oh, they just like to big note themselves. Oh, they're just splashy and throw a lot of money around. No, <laughs> it's because it just changes the way you see the world. And I think mm-hmm. um, the growth you experience as a human being by throwing yourself out there into these uncomfortable situations, um, expanding your networks of friends, meeting people from all sorts of walks of life, you really do feel richer for it. And um, I'd love to hear your feedback, ladies. If you, if you can agree with this or you disagree with this, you know, do you find and have you found that travelling as a whole makes you feel wealthier in life um, or have you found that, you know, through negative experiences has broken your trust in life? I'm just really curious to see what your experiences are because obviously I'm only ever surrounded by the positives. But I'd love to know if you have any other thoughts on this uh, conversation so yeah that was our trip that was our you know our experience of um going to america for the first time so <laughs> i had this stupid picture of you know eddie murphy coming to america movie you know <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, dear. oh my goodness that's hilarious
1: i'm glad that it was different to that hey i have to ask though and this is this is my own personal bias and maybe it was the places that i that i went to when i was in the u.s one of the things that really sticks out to me is that I got so sick of eating. I just, <laughs> the meals were so huge and you know, we eat, we eat pretty fresh food over here. Uh, we're pretty lucky that you can get, you know, salads and all sorts of amazing things anywhere you go. And I found that when I'd order a salad over there, um, it would come like coated in like blue cheese dressing or something. And it's this piece of like limp lettuce and (laughs) like, you know, squishy tomatoes and those sorts of things. And there wasn't much else, but I, I just got so sick of eating. Did you experience anything like that?
0: Oh my goodness. You know what? Partly I wish I had so that I could say I'd had the real American experience. But you know what? This is where I challenge that notion of what the real American experience is. Is used to everyone listening who, you know, thinks uh, we're, we're n- all the un-Americans out there, the non-Americans, um, challenge your idea of what we cliche think certain things are all about because um, we didn't experience that. Why? Well, one, we had an RV, so we had an in-house kitchen, which was really cool. But yeah, two, cool. we were traveling through three countries that all legalized marijuana. So... <laughs> so through states i should say not countries through states and i'm I, like hang on where are you going with this <laughs> no so what i think is you've got already some areas of america that were very open-minded they're so progressive i for the first time in my life went to a small town where they had a supermarket size of woolies or coals here in australia that was all organic Mm, I kid you not, like I was a kid in a candy store, I was taking photos of this shop. (laughs) People must have thought I was a nut job. But I'm like, oh, my God, Pete, have you seen this This entire wall of organic teas and coffees? Oh, my goodness. Look at this. This is entire wall. And I just could not get over the fact that a whole community had embraced this notion of eating and living organic to warrant having a store of that volume and that size in that town. Um, and it was so exciting. So, we kept going from town to town, finding these unbelievable organic cafes, vegan stores, you know, it was so progressive. And I just thought, I've totally missed something here. I thought everyone told me about the SAD diet, this, you know, the the standard American diet of oversized meals and burgers and fried everythings and, you know, double dip fried Snickers bars and stuff, (laughs) I missed out on it. So I'm sad to say, I'm sorry, but uh, no, my experience was something really different. Interesting. Okay. That's great though. Um,
1: And I guess it's all relative, right? Cause maybe, uh, and it could have been the the company that I was with as well is what you expect, I think is probably what you will you know, that's the filter that you'll be seeing and experiencing things as well.
0: That is so true, isn't it? When you want health, you seek out health. When you don't have a framework, it doesn't matter. And when you just think that food is burgers and fries, you'll find that everywhere you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So filters definitely apply when you travel. That is absolutely true. So tell us about you. You went to somewhere quite almost in absolute Black and white contrast to where <laughs> I was in an like yes. oh that is not a, that is not a faux pas there I mean like in the yin and yang of life oh, how we've how got did you get that that was completely lost on me don't worry yeah no I don't mean it that way um in the extremes of life you know we go from the absolute wealth abundance you know, greatest uh, nation on earth um, with an endless amount of resources and everything is supplied and at your hand and so easy to come by. And then we go to the other side of the world and you landed in Africa.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh my husband Dean and I went to Africa for just under three weeks. We were there with my little sister, Joanna, and her partner Raman and four of their friends. And we kind of did our own sort of version of an African safari. So we hired four-wheel drives with the little rooftop tent thingies that pop the tents on the top of the cars, awesome. uh, which was amazing. So we went from Namibia across to Botswana up to Zimbabwe and then kind of back down through that route again. Uh, and it was, like, just incredible. And I think I've, I've told the story so many times to patients now that I, can't, I think I have the highlights real down pat. Um, or thereabouts. But I think the best way to describe it was it was definitely a bit of a wild adventure. And that was the thing that I think I loved the most, like the more crazy things that happened, the more excited I was. So uh, it it all started out really well. And um, then on our second day, my sister's car started having issues. And then we spent our first night our first night in a bush camp or something like that and uh, we because they were having car issues and we weren't supposed to be driving at night um, so that was against our sort of contractual rules just because of the amount of wildlife on the roads and it was too dangerous um, but it was just unavoidable and I swear the most dangerous thing that we came into contact with which w- was those huge big cows on the road I swear that was the most dangerous thing ever <laughs> but anyway <laughs> Oh my <laughs> goodness. Out of nowhere and it's the middle of the night, it's pitch black, and then all of a sudden there's, you know, these things on the road. And anyway. Um and we uh then we spent our first night in a bush camp and there were hyenas everywhere and there was a hippo like, you know, a few meters away from our camp. And then we woke up the next morning and there was huge cat paw prints underneath our, you know, the ladder of our tent, which was super exciting. Um, and then that day we tried to, um, do some river crossings and my sister and her partner sunk their car in the river, um, which I thought was just hilarious. Um, and just, you know, it kind of continued on from there. Um, but it was just like amazing. I found Botswana to be like, just, I've never been so comfortable in another foreign country that was so, so different from Australia. I Just the people were so beautiful. Um, It just seemed, I don't know, like just so, I, I don't have a better way to describe it except for just so comfortable. And there was nothing really palpable that gave me that sense except that just everyone we met was so lovely and we saw everything that you can possibly imagine. So all of the animals. Um, we went and hung out in a whole bunch of villages. Uh, we went up into. Oh, we got stuck in Chobe National Park because you know the cars got stuck and we're. You're not supposed to get out of your car, but we're trying to dig these cars out for hours with you know who knows what sort of hunting around us. <laughs> so this is where where
0: travel creates uh, resourcefulness.
1: <laughs> you know what I loved every minute of that. Yeah. I'm sure it was fairly stressful for Dean because he was really of the whole group, he was really the only one who knew what was going on with the four-wheel drives and knew how to fix the cars and could be, you know, the bear grills. So I felt sorry for him because it was pretty stressful because he had to do a lot of hard work. But I loved it. Um the more kind of crazy stuff the better. And then we went up into Zimbabwe, which was a bit of an experience. Um, just You know, doing the border crossing, seeing the corruption, seeing all the um, like immigration officials taking bribes and all of those sorts of things. And then getting into the country and realizing that uh, or or erroneously getting there and not realizing that there's no money in the country. So the Zimbabwean dollar or whatever there was no longer exists. So, their official country currency, sorry, is now the US dollar, but you can't actually access it from anywhere. You can't draw it out of an ATM. So, you have to take it in with you. And it was just uh, a really funny experience to go, okay, so we have no cash. Um, No one wants to accept credit cards because they all want American dollars, understandably. What do we do? (laughs) Um, So, you know, we got to experienced some of that and there was also elections happening so there was um, you know protests and all sorts of things going on which also made me realize how uh, amazing it is with our, you know, democratic system here in Australia. It's pretty, we're pretty lucky. Um, and then we went down into Namibia um, and again, saw everything. Uh, we spent a couple of days at some orphanages in particular, one called Megomenno Orphanage um, in a suburb of Windhoek, which was incredible. And those kids are orphans for the most part because their parents have died um, because of HIV AIDS. Um, but they were like just the most beautiful, happy kids. You know, they have nothing, but they don't realize that they're missing out on anything and they were just gorgeous. Um, so that was really fun. And um, yeah, Namibia was a very interesting place. I have to say, Um, and I don't know if anyone else has ever experienced this and not that I want to, you know, sully anybody else's experience that might be going there, but I found Namibia to be the most sexist and racist place that I've ever been to. Now, I haven't traveled into, you know, really extreme sort of Middle Eastern countries, but this was, I think, the closest that I've come to it. So, Ash, I think I was telling you that like I couldn't even make hotel reservations. So, I would call hotels and you know these are very well-known hotels like you know very westernized hotels and they would tell me that they were full and that there was no availability and then a minute later Dean would call and they would happily offer him any room that he wanted and and when we'd get to hotel if I had any queries they would ignore me and I've never experienced that before and um, it made it, it was very interesting to kind of sit back and go, I really want to kick up, a, you know, get my back up about this, but this is not my country. <laughs> this is not my culture. Um, what can I really do about it? So that was super frustrating and also really frustrating to see, um, I guess, apartheid still happening. Mm. Um, was pretty confronting Um, and just hearing the language that white people and the the names and the labels they used to speak to, you know, the black population, which was just horrific. Um, And I wanted to, you know, in my passionate crusades to, you know, change the world, wanted to (laughs) jump in there and defend everybody, but that wouldn't be very wise.
0: Um, Now, fascinating, right? So, again, this massive um, opportunity to shift that cultural perspective and to suddenly see things and realise the injustices and the inequity that's out there, um, it almost forces you to count new blessings in your own life, doesn't it? Because you just suddenly realise, wow, (laughs) if I wasn't grateful before, this has really forced that high um, awareness of the things that – we just take for granted on a daily life.
1: Exactly. And I had never experienced it before and I was not prepared for it. So, in any of the guidebooks and those sorts of things that we'd read, none of it really describes those sorts of themes. Um, so, that was really interesting to be a part of and also interesting to realize how good we have it here. And I know that we certainly still have a long way to go to have complete gender equality, but in comparison, <laughs> It's yeah. day and night. It's yeah. absolutely day and night. Um, some funny things that happened. I got bitten by a jackal. Um,
0: <laughs> as you do yeah, when you travel.
1: got <laughs> yeah. bitten by a jackal. It was my own fault though. Uh, I'm glad you didn't get rabies. <laughs> no, no, no rabies. Um, I gave myself a mild concussion as well while we were there. Um, I was, we were waiting for my sister to, ha- to go for dinner one night when this was at the very end of our trip. And I was trying to use up some energy because I hadn't really exercised in a few days. So I was doing box jumps onto the bed in our hotel room because it was really high <sighs> and I got a little bit cocky and I fell and I like whacked and bashed my head against the dressing table and then hit it again on the way down. It was pretty funny. It would have been hilarious to watch. Dean was very sweet and chivalrous about the whole thing. He didn't just laugh his head off. He actually came to see if I was all right.
0: Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, I love the (laughs) contrasts about our our vacation. Yours is like, you know, the world, uh, crazy, wacky and all that. And all I wanted was some peace and quiet and some (laughs) lovely, you know, family vibes going on and some connections, you know, in terms of my own family and all that. And you've gone, uh, you know what? This is the pre-kids, post-kids life, I reckon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, we, we still did have plenty of downtime because there was a lot of driving and there was a lot of spot time spent in, you know, the national parks and all the game parks where we just got to kind of sit there and be in absolute awe of nature um, and also see how completely desolate a place would be like um, in Etosha national park in Namibia mm. and the big salt pans, but still such abundance of wildlife can exist there. That was quite interesting. Like I couldn't get my head around that, that there was still huge herds of zebras and giraffes and you know elephants. And it's like, what are they eating? What are they you know where are they getting their water source from? It
0: Love was... the nature at her best, right? Yeah, so that it was incredible. So I've got a big question here. How long did it take you to pack your bag? Because <laughs> you know when travel, it's like, man, I've just got one suitcase. I've got all my stuff. What am I going to do? How did you pack? Um, so I
1: only took carry on. That, that's one thing when I travel for me, it's kind of a non-negotiable thing because I hate checking luggage and I also... have heard that um, some of the areas we were going to that we were flying into were
0: notorious for losing bags. So I just didn't want that drama. Um, I but, think I just heard the collective gasp of disbelief from all our listeners that were like, what? She travels on holidays with just a carry-on? She's only got right. a G-string and some strings or something. <laughs> and something they're like, How do you do that? <laughs> um, and it, I kind of had to
1: be prepared for everything because, you know, we were going to be – in literally in the middle of nowhere and uh it was going to be cold like really cold at night like it got down to zero overnight but then it was gonna be hot during the day so I kind of needed a bit of both of clothing so
0: I think I did really well with my packing I think However, you did I do reckon you offloaded to Dean though I'm just <laughs> just quietly I reckon <laughs> I you sneaky sneak. put made. all the heavy stuff in Dean's bag
1: <laughs> exactly I Dean did check it bag because We had cameras, we had equipment, uh, we had, you know, walkie-talkies for the cars. Um, Dean had some, like, you know, emergency stuff that that he took with him as well. So we were fairly well prepared, but Dean had the (laughs) privilege of putting all of that in his checked bag. Um, I don't know where he put his clothes. He
0: is... So low maintenance when it comes to packing. Um, but <laughs> lucky you. And how about that? Speaking of you know, low maintenance, um, travel does, there's just something about travel that pushes all the buttons in all the right ways and the wrong ways. Don't you know someone when you travel with them?
1: Uh, yes, there were some interesting moments between my little sister and Dean. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, it's just different personalities as well. And it's um, navigating, spending so much time in such close living quarters with other people and not allowing little things to irk you as well, um, which is easier said than done. That's for sure. Uh, but I think it's very character building as well um and funnily enough there was so much stuff in my bag even in my like carry-on bag that i didn't even wear over three weeks as well so i think i did really well but you're absolutely right it does like it reminds you of that simplicity um that is just so nice and, and can be blissful as well
0: yeah and I the one thing I definitely get from you know being away and and coming back home not only is the gratitude for where I live and my own home and the bed Mm -hmm. I have and all those things that you know sometimes just grunt and groan about because you're in a daily work grind and it's you know a bit of a all a bit of a chore the whole process of cleaning your house but then there's the gratitude I have this opportunity to clean my house how lucky am I I've got a house to clean um you know just Mm -hmm. the silly things like that the way your brain flips these these switches away from the monotony that might have been there um Um, And the other thing I really found amazing was that you you come home and I've always found that I become a tourist in my own town again and I start looking for all Mm. the things I haven't seen and it's really great to reconnect with where I even live because sometimes you just do the same thing, same thing. Every kind of weekend you go to the same places. Mm. You only take the same trips to certain places because, oh, you saw sort of advertise on, you know, on a Facebook post and you go to the same places because there's events there. And all of a sudden you start going, wow, there's a lot more out there. And you start, like, almost Google searching like a tourist, which is so cool. So, you know, ladies, if it's something that um, – floats your boat and you think, you know, it's worth working hard to save some money to travel, I can guarantee you, aside from the money you spend, the richness you get in return is just something that, um, you can't expect or anticipate. And, Even with the negative experiences that happen sometimes in travels because there have been plenty of times where I have found myself in the worst situations, and I mean that in the very seriousness of worst situations, um, and yet somehow the resourcefulness that you have, the independence that you create – the inner strength, you know, the lioness that you can find when you need it to speak your up, you know, like you were saying, to speak your voice, you pick a time and a place for those things. But in the moments you need them, suddenly you've got this power that you may not have appreciated in yourself. Um, the ability, for example, for me, always being an introverted personality type, and that's, I know, hard f- for some people to understand because they're like, yeah, but you, you speak, you like being in front. Like, it's not that I, I like and love it. It's just that I've forced myself to challenge that comfort zone because it's necessary, because it's going to serve yeah. my greater purpose in life. Um, but I'm still an introvert. And the thing that I found was the ability to you know, travel and suddenly realize I have no one to talk to. Okay. This is going to be a really long trip. If I don't get outside my comfort zone and go mm. and just talk to strangers. Um, yeah, you know, it's exactly. going to be a really lonely trip. I'm going to get really homesick very quickly. If I don't start to find some people to talk to. So suddenly you build this, you know, independence that allows you to, you know, explore and see things differently. And also some of the most amazing opportunities happen when you meet others. Uh, travelling alone is such a completely different experience to travelling
1: with other people, that's for sure. Um, and just the, it does force you into being more sociable. It forces you into really getting into the culture of the place, which is so cool. Yeah. Um, some of the interesting things that Dean and I sort of learned along the way, we were kind of talking about this, is that we know that we really enjoy traveling so much more if we absorb ourselves in the culture we're not just about kind of you know doing the touristy things and seeing the I don't know the spectacles but we like to really understand the place and try and get into the culture and meet the people and those sorts of things um and the other thing that we realized as well is that we are so so grateful for the life that we have and we are not as much as we love traveling we also don't live for it we don't live for our holidays and I think that that was such an important realization for me because you know life can be pretty damn stressful particularly at the moment and there's you know so much going on but we still both really love what we do and it it's quite an honour to be able to feel that and experience it and to be excited to go back to work when you get home.
0: Yeah, uh, awesome, right? I had the same yeah. thing and I just remember smiling rather than counting down the days, oh, God, going back. It's like, oh, awesome, can't wait to get into, you know, hands-on next week It's it never kind of was daunting as an experience. So it's definitely great to help you reflect on whether or not you're making life choices that fulfil you because exactly. if you're dreading the return, there may be a mirror being held up to you right there to get you to ask those questions. Is this what I'm you know, here to do? Does this serve me? Is this fulfilling me? And if it's not, why not? And what choices do I need to consider making? That means that holidays are there just to expand my life, not to escape from it yeah exactly mm. so ash where is the next holiday great question because of oliver and you know just some family planning and things we we can't commit to big destinations yet we always uh, it's really interesting we always had this notion that the more unusual more off the beaten track places needed to be done before children um just for the simple reason if nothing else is the medical safety um, you know yeah, yeah. if something were to happen how far you are, are from crisis care can determine the outcome so for us now just while he's still young for me it's really important that we maintain a, an appropriate amount of medical safety that we are so you know luxurious to have here in the western world and um so for me it's more countries to do where there's richness of culture it can be like America maybe Japan um, places where I feel that there's a lot of richness in culture Um but yeah I think it's always nice to, I just have this thing that quarterly we have getaways. So ladies, if foreign travel is not the big thing because it doesn't fit within your needs or experiences or budget, then what I encourage people to do is every quarter. So that's like, you know, four times a year, um, essentially that you find ways to make, adventure. And that could be a long weekend somewhere. That could be a weekend committed to a certain task or a new experience or a place. Um, but, you know, really go someplace you've never been, even in your own country, because it really does expand you as a person. It does expand your experiences of the beauty that's right, you know, sometimes just around the corner from you. sometimes next door. Um, so yeah. How about yourself? Have you guys got anything on the cards? Well, we actually need to plan a honeymoon at some stage.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we, we're sort of talking about that, but we don't know yet. We we do have Japan booked for February, um, so that's locked in, but we're going to
0: try and have a honeymoon between now and then, but who knows Ladies, Um, if you've got some great travel destination uh, tips or advices or places that you think we need to be going, I would love to hear what you have to say. So throw it uh, down on social media and let us know what your favourite places are and, you know, where you found the richest experiences for yourself, you know, what you've grown from or found to be really wonderful, whether it be a natural experience, you know, in amongst nature at its greatest or whether it be a cultural experience or even just sometimes the social experiences of things that you've done, you know, bars, clubs, cool places places across the globe that you think are really uh, places people should check out. Um, I just want to like, kind of leave you with one little quote that I always smile at that uh, sits up here in my, my room actually. And it says, you will never be completely at home again once you start traveling because part of your heart will always be elsewhere. But that is the price you pay for the richness of loving and knowing people in more than one place.
1: Oh, that's so lovely mm-hmm. and so true as well. Um, okay. So ladies, I would love to also hear your best honeymoon destinations i would totally take advice from our very wise listeners um so ladies we hope that you've uh, feel like you're up to date with our you know travel and what we've been doing over the last month or so so we'd love to hear again what are your best travel tips? Where are the best locations? And also your honeymoon tips too, as well, please. Um, make sure you're communicating with us on Facebook. So Facebook.com forward slash the Wellness Women. On Instagram, we are the Wellness Women official. Um, ladies, make sure you've subscribed to our, us on iTunes or whatever you know Android um, or smartphone app that you're using, so you can get these downloads into um, it automatically for free every Tuesday. And ladies, until next week be well.
0: This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. couch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com for slash the wellness couch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives.